The Roots team is proud to bring you Strengthen Your Roots, a podcast that takes a deeper dive into connecting with teammates on topics like leadership, as well as personal and professional skill building. Welcome back, listeners, for this month's episode of Strengthen Your Roots, or for our first-time listeners, welcome to our monthly podcast series sponsored by Roots. I'm Eldon Matson, and I have the privilege and opportunity to kick off an exciting subseries through the next few months where we'll be taking a deeper dive into leadership here at Farm Credit Services America and Frontier Farm Credit by interviewing a wide array of functional leaders. Before revealing who our guest is today, I'd like to remind our listeners to stay tuned for later in our discussion for the podcast Ponder, where listeners will have an, an opportunity to engage their input via Yammer on the question of the day and an opportunity to score a prize. Now, without further hesitation, drum roll please. Here with me today is President and CEO Mark Jensen to provide some insight on his leadership journey and leave you with some pieces of advice throughout our discussion. Mark, thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to be with us today. Well, thanks, Alvin. Thanks for the opportunity. And drumroll, wow, that's, that's quite an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> Before we get into a few questions here, Mark, uh, would you mind maybe sharing a little bit about your uh, professional journey as well as uh, maybe a little bit on your uh, personal bio? You know, like a lot of people in the farm credit system, I've got an agriculture background. So I grew up on a farm in southeast Nebraska, a dairy farm of all places, which um, growing up on a dairy farm was my motivation to go to college. Um, that was kind of a joke, but um, in some ways it's true. Um, that really isn't what I wanted to do in my career. So it seemed like uh, going to school made a lot of sense. But, um, you know, got an ag economics degree from the University of Nebraska. And, um, when I came out in 1992, it was a different time in agriculture. They're, uh, you know, we're still recovering from the 1980s and organizations in the ag industry were starting to hire back again. And fortunately, um, I was a part of that and had the opportunity to look at some other, at some organizations that were hiring and um, Farm Credit System was one of those. And um, decided that, you know, really two things. I really like the area of finance and economics. Um, always been kind of a data nerd to some, de- some degree. And, um, also wanted to stay engaged in agriculture, so you know, ag finance and ag lending seemed to make a lot of sense, and, and uh, Farm Credit was hiring, so came to work for us then in uh, 1992. That time they had a six-month training program, and you didn't know where you were going to end up after six months, but um, I ended up being placed in Kearney as a financial officer, or I guess it was a loan officer back then. It was out there for five years. It was, it was wonderful. It was a great place to start. I was surrounded by a good team, good people. Um, a lot of those folks, or at least some of them, are still in the organization today. Um, but anyway, uh, spent five years there, and then um, there was a branch manager position in Fremont, Nebraska, that opened up, and um, I applied for that and got it. So that was my first, you know, venture into formal leadership in the organization, and uh, was there a couple years. And about that time, we consolidated a lot of offices, um, went from about eighty some to forty some. And um, that office had, you know, was fairly small, so was con- consolidated. So we, we also, at that time, um, was the first time we separated kind of sales and credit, or at least the focus and specialization of those roles. Um, so I had the opportunity to go to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and lead a credit team for a while. So kind of go a different path. All over the place, right? Yeah, a different state. And um, that was also a great experience. I had a fantastic team again, um, just wonderful people, and really enjoyed our time up there. But couple years later, another opportunity opened up, and um, Ken Keegan, who was a senior vice president leading... Never the, heard of him. <laughs> yeah, never heard of that guy either, but <laughs> Ken was leading the uh, regional offices, uh, regional credit offices, I should say, at that time, and, and he took on a, a different responsibility, um, actually went and built our corporate office. So 
um, his role opened up, so I had a chance to um, move to Omaha and uh, lead some credit teams for a while. And ultimately, when Doug Stark became CEO, he asked me to form our risk management function or team and did that and led that risk management function for about seven, eight years, became our chief risk officer in 2013. And lo and behold, Doug Stark decided to retire in 2017, and that opportunity opened up as well. So, you know, I've just been blessed with, you know, a lot of opportunities in the organization surrounded by a ton of great people and great influencers. So I know those are some of the areas you want to talk about. Absolutely. Uh, no, I appreciate that insight. And yeah, talk about just kind of navigating on the fly and you know the willingness and capacity to relocate uh, through a lot of those opportunities that have came your way, Mark, that's, that's in, impeccable. Uh, maybe on personal side, maybe tell us a little bit about family, kiddos, yeah. hobbies, things of that nature. Um, I w met my wife Camille in college. Um, she's from Omaha and um, part of a family that had a lot of restaurants in Omaha, if you're familiar with the Coniglia family, but she's a Coniglia. Um, but yeah, we've been married for, gosh, um, 20, what, six years? Question of the day, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, especially considering our anniversary is in two days. So yeah, I probably should know that. But, um, but anyway, we've been married um, 26 years. So we've got three kids. Uh, we've got a, a uh, let's see, junior in college, a, a senior in high school. So one that's going to graduate in a few weeks, and then a sophomore in high school. So two girls and a boy. So college visits are uh, hot and heavy right now then, right? Uh, they were, yeah. It looks like the, you know, my younger daughter has decided on University of Nebraska Kearney, which is a good fit for her. So Lopers, she's right? She's a loper. Yep. yep, there you go. So Mark, we're, we're going to dive into a few questions, if you don't mind here. Yeah. Um, again, we're kicking off our, our leadership series for uh, our teammates here. So first formal question I've got for you is, again, Mark, you've had the opportunity to wear a number of uh, hats here uh, over the years at Farm Credit. Was attaining a leadership role something you always aspired to? And if so, what was the motive for you? Uh, to be honest with you, not necessarily. It, was, it wasn't like, you know, the first year of my job, it was, boy, getting this leadership role and then this one and this one. I, you know, it, the, the so-called kind of ladder climbing was really not something I ever really focused on. Um, honestly, I, I always just focused on how can I do the job that you know I've got right now really well to the best of my ability and try to make as, as much difference as I can? And I always had an interest in not necessarily of, well, hey, I want to be that leader or that leader, but if what are the ways that I could make a difference for the organization? And you know, earlier in my career that came through non-functional leader roles, like, you know, leading the Husker Harvest um, um, kind of effort on, for two or three years, um, just as an example, just taking on those type of kind of more work groups or, or functions. And then, you know, ultimately, um, you know, a couple leadership opportunities just come along. And, you know, if I just kind of take a look on, look back on that, I, it was never really about aspiring for this particular role or that one. What I aspired for was just try to bank as much experiences as I could and just get as much perspectives. And I thought if I could build a pretty good war chest of those that, you know, one way or other that might be helpful. And, you know, as it turned out, that probably wasn't a bad strategy. Great perspective. And I think it really puts you in the position of remaining patient and opportunities will seek you out rather than the flip side of that, too. So really great insight there. I appreciate it. 
So again, Mark, perhaps expanding upon your own leadership journey and influential people, mentors, or leaders you've partnered with, what sort of traits did they exhibit um, that you've been persistent to carry with you uh, throughout your career? You know, I, I really would have to say the first mentor in my life was probably my dad. Um, and, you know, that in combination with growing up on a dairy farm, um, you know, you didn't lack work to do, you didn't lack responsibility. And um, dad was, um, didn't have any issue in delegating both. So, you know, we always had plenty of work to do. Um, you know, growing up in dairy, um, you know, work is just part of what, it, part of the culture and what it was like. But, um, you know, maybe I didn't appreciate it as much as at the time, but um, dad, from a very early age, started giving me a lot of responsibilities. And, you know, sometimes those went pretty well and sometimes they didn't, but he was always willing to, you know, keep kind of doling those out. And, you know, I realized for him, it was probably a lot about just you know, what needed to get done and how he needed to manage all the work that needed to get done on the farm, you know, probably little did he know is um, that instilled quite a bit of sense of, you know, responsibility and accountability that, I mean, when you're, when you're milking cows by yourself at 14, you know, you learn that there's a lot at stake and, you know, if you make some mistakes, there's some implications of that. So, you know, I really appreciate looking back and probably, again, I probably didn't at the time, I thought he was kind of a grumpy grumpy dad who uh, we you know, expected too position, much. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know I was the only kid that ever thought that. But, <laughs> but anyway, you know, I really have to say my dad. But then, you know, as I look through my whole career, I, you know, I've been blessed in so many ways. And one of those blessings has just been the, all the direct reports I've had in my career, whether, you know, it was some of the trainers I had when I went through the training program here, you know, to the, to the branch manager or two that I had when I was in Kearney to, you know, the Ken Keegans, the Doug Starks, you know, not only those, those are the people I've reported to, you know, generally in my career, but, you know, also just some of the other folks that I've been able to be around a lot and, and learn from and be influenced by, you know, organizationally, it's just been fantastic. Um, so, you know, I just have to say a lot of my mentorship came from, you know, Farm Credit Services America Frontier, which is a real testament to the quality of people and and the leadership we've had in this organization for a long time. Talk a little bit more about that. I'm, I'm intrigued by that in terms of just throughout your, your tenure here, um, you know, the people that you've purposely came across, but um, maybe not so much. Uh, talk about the intentionality behind those connections, those networks, those individuals. How did you seek them out, even if it was Husker Harvest Days, for example, how did you position yourself of, hey, I want to, you know, partner up with Ken Keegan and, you know, where is this going to lead and what can I learn from Ken that I can take back to whatever that, that current role is for you, for you, Mark? Yeah, you know, what, what I can tell you, it wasn't like this intentional strategy written down in a book, you know, just like a lot of things, it's, um, you know, the master plan usually doesn't exist. Um, I think it was just a... Um, Kind of innate desire to want to just grow and learn and when you exude that and make that known people that of similar type you know characteristics that you know also like to learn and and then also like to um, develop and mentor others end up making that connection so you know you know you mentioned to ken keegan for example the first time that i got to work with ken was a cross-functional team that he was leading and it didn't take long for me, you know, it was not long after Ken came to the organization to, to realize that, you know, Ken's leadership style and, and uh, you know, the influence that he had on the organization and how he did things was something that I just, you know, found a lot of interest in. And, um, 
you know, it's, it's not like I had this, you know, thing of, I'm well, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to go, you know, seek out Ken. But, um, you know, when you recognize that, I wasn't afraid to just go make the interaction, make the introduction and try to, you know, foster relationships, which business still is a lot about relationships. I uh, have to chuckle myself. We're, uh, we're definitely giving Ken a lot of PR and marketing. Yeah, we, we really are. So are we? I'll be curious to... if he ends up listening to this down the road. <laughs> so maybe your next girl one-on-one conversation, you have to check in on him. So Well, let's talk about some of, you know, some of the faults of Ken and all that, too. <laughs> Why we're at all this, like him being a, we'll, uh, we'll a Buckeye just, fan for, yeah. you know, to start. Let's just <laughs> designate a, a whole other uh, chapter of our podcast series towards there we that, go. right? Yeah, so. Actually, it's a pretty short list. <laughs> Mark, you've expanded a lot on uh, positive attributes and successes in leadership. Um, that's really granted you. And um, honestly, there can be a lot of fear and hesitation on taking a uh, formal leadership role. Uh, for our listeners, uh, what's your advice to overcome such fear and, and perhaps share any fear that you initially had stepping into leadership or even serving as our uh, president and CEO today? Yeah, you know, maybe the first thing is uh, um, if you think you're alone in that fear, you're not. So. Um, I think that's just natural and you know most people when they you know enter into the next role they're more than likely at some level underqualified right I mean you you know you haven't you haven't lived that role unless it you know happens to be a situation where you're stepping back you know if you're stepping forward um, listen I mean that's a role that you haven't done before I you know I hadn't been a CEO before I became this so you know first thing I'd say is that's natural that's okay and you know maybe advice is don't don't use that as a hindrance, but use it more of as a motivation and a challenge to overcome and understand that a lot of people, you know, are in the same boat. And probably the less time you worry about that, the better. Um, you know, the more time you worry about, you know, doing things well and making a difference and, and trying to impact a lot of people's lives. That's, um, if you stay focused there, then I, I think good things will come. Mark, I'm going to change gears a, a little here with something that we've all endured and, and navigated through this past year, uh, the coronavirus or, or COVID. Uh, we've all faced some level of adversity, whether it's uh, personally or even professionally or, or quite honestly both. Um, but we're all optimistic that we're going to return to a, a quasi-normal state. So um, reflecting back on this last year, what were some major successes or even challenges for you and, and what did you learn from those, Mark? Yeah, I mean, what a year. Um, and I was just thinking back, you know, it's, you know, here we're talking in late April and, um, you know, reflect from time to time on what, you know, what was I doing a year ago, you know, this week, for example. And um, it was about a year ago this week that um, I was probably spending 70, 80% of my day on the phone with, um, with senators, you know, congressional reps and, you know, people from USDA and others. Um, really talking about the um, the potential collapse of the protein sectors. Um, I do believe that we were weeks away potentially of a complete collapse um, in the ag sector. Um, I think that was really real had the packing plants not been able to maintain production and keep going. I mean, when you're on the phone with some customers that you're sitting there saying, hey, you know, I've got 10,000 head of cattle that have got to go in the next X amount of weeks and if I don't have a market, you know, I guess we're going to start, you know, digging a hole and um, you know, the, the environmental catastrophe that, you know, that could have caused the economic um, catastrophe from a, um, um, you know, from an overall economic standpoint within the ag sector was pretty significant. And then, um, you know, when you're on the phone with people in the USDA and they're talking about preparations being made for 50, 60 million people standing in food bank lines, um, things get pretty real pretty quickly. 
So, you know, as I reflect back on that, I'm glad we're a year later in a whole different position. And, you know, I'm, I think we're really blessed that, um, you know, some of those things didn't play out. Um, so, you know, you think back on some of that, wow, you know, when you're, when you're staring at some of those realities, um, you know, some of the challenges that uh, maybe go with it get put in perspective pretty quickly. However, I don't want to, you know, kind of underemphasize the ability of the organization to adapt and change and, you know, how, how well everyone just kind of pulled together and kind of rallied around, you know, what we do the best and that's, you know, serve our mission and our customers and, and the difference we make in, in rural America. I mean, if that was one thing that in talking with all those politicians and people in the USDA, the reality of the importance of the farm credit system to agriculture was abundantly clear. I mean, they, they understood that, you know, we supply 40% of the finance you know, you take that away, you're, you're really cutting the legs out from underneath the ag's ability to keep, keep moving. So, um, you know, that in some ways was um, well, a reinforcer of the importance of the system and the importance of agriculture. So I think those are some of the great lessons learned. And then again, the, the organization's ability to rally behind that and then kind of pull together and learn new ways of doing things. I, I will always look back on 2020 as probably I would guess the most challenging part of my career, just to, I, you know, you hope you don't face something like that again, but on the other hand, uh, probably the most fulfilling by far. It was a crazy, exciting, stressful, you know, fulfilling year in a lot of different ways. And then to have it come out the end where we, you know, for all practical purposes, had one of our best years, you know, financially, growth-wise that we've had in a long time was, was really cool. But it's all about the people that make that happen. Love that perspective, and yeah, it's so easy to get caught up in the uh, the whirlwind of what COVID was and continues to be today. But you know, um, talk about how our our teammates, our leadership, our culture here at Farm Credit persevered through that. Um, and never in a million years did we expect the growth that we saw across the board, um, and how we all learned to navigate on the fly, going from in person collaborative culture to in-person virtual Zoom calls, hey, you're on mute sort of context. Expand upon that just a touch more, Mark. Yeah, if and you know, I've got a lot of contacts with other, other CEOs, you know, within the farm credit system and then the Omaha area. And uh, there are a couple clear things that, that stuck out to me in terms of our ability to, to kind of move this organization forward like we did and some others that were struggling was one, our culture. I mean, without a doubt, if, if you don't already have people that are adaptive, um, innovative, committed, um, you know, got a strong foundation of teamwork and, and just overall values in how you run the organization, um, then you have some other problems on your hands. And then you combine that with, you know, we had equipped ourselves with technology that, you know, at the time we didn't realize we were going to use it in that way and we were going to be reliant on it in, in such a way. But um, those two things, um, you look back when I was talking to a lot of my peers, that, those are the things they were struggling with that were really advantages for us. And again, the, if you don't have the people, none of the other things work. <laughs> so the culture's at the foundation of it. Yeah, definitely uh, positioned in, in the right regard uh, before that uncertainty uh, kind of hit us all. Yeah. So Mark, again, uh, thanks for uh, sharing uh, a lot of uh, valuable insight and experiences thus far in our conversation. Uh, before we continue into a, a few more questions, uh, I think this would be a great opportunity for our listeners to, to get to know you a little bit more and, and maybe get you on your toes. So uh, we're going to do uh, a few lightning round questions. Okay. Um, uh, 
where essentially I'm going to be firing off a, a few questions and uh, just would love to get your initial response uh, without explanation. So how's that sound? That sounds like a plan. So we'll start well, off well, easy, I promise. We'll see how this goes. Yeah, I'll, I'll start off easy here now. So <laughs> favorite kind of food? Favorite kind of food? Um, I'm a big Mexican food fan, um, especially um, fish tacos. Favorite holiday? Um, Fourth of July. Expand upon that. I just I like that time of year. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a big American fan or a USA fan, and um, I just think it's um, it's one time in the year where this country really kind of pulls together under a purpose. And I'm kind of a purpose guy, and um, it's just good to see because it seems like this country spends too much time fighting against each <laughs> against each other instead of trying to pull together. I was waiting for you to expand upon. Yeah, I love lighting off those fireworks and getting you know. Well, my son, rush, my son right? likes to do that, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like to spend the money on those fireworks. Yeah, that, that adds up in, in a hurry for sure. Yeah, does. So. Nickname you had growing up? Uh, yeah, Jensie, which I was support for <laughs> Jensen. That's, that's what most of my friends called me, yeah. Appreciate the honesty. Yeah. Place you most want to travel? Um, my wife and I both want to go to Italy. In fact, had planned a trip to Italy um, in April of last year for our 25th wedding anniversary, oh, yeah. but obviously we didn't get that done. Or Rescheduled we yet? Or? We haven't, okay. just because we just don't know. But sure, yeah. absolutely. Uh, favorite pastime hobby? Uh, my hobbies, uh, well, I, I'm a runner, have been for a long, long time. Um, I don't golf very much. I'd like to golf more, but you know, my hobbies really for years have been you know being with my kids and the time spent with them. So. Great answer. Cake or pie? Pie. That was a quick response. Say something in Spanish. See. Si. How many uh, cups of coffee do you drink in a day? Uh, one, maybe two. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Ooh. Ooh. Gosh, that, that one I've never given, given a lot of thought to. Um, gosh, you know, off of you know the top of my head, I. I think World War II would really be an interesting period to, to go back to because I just, if you think about the world dynamics that were going on in that time and then the role the U.S. played, um, especially if you knew the outcome, yes. <laughs> I think it would be a really interesting time to have been a part of. Absolutely. Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady? Mahomes. I think he's... Love that answer. He's changing the game and how it's played today. I just, it's pretty exciting. Are they going to make another run this next year? Uh, I hope so. I'd bet with you on that. Favorite color? Uh, red. Last Halloween costume? Um, Captain America. What year? What year did I, um, gosh, that would have been two years ago. Okay, recent. If you could have dinner with anyone past or present, who would it be with? Um, gosh, you know, um, I think President Lincoln would really be interesting. Um, just because of, you know, and it, it's even in today's world, I think that would even be interesting. You think about some of the things he was dealing with from a, you know, that the country was going through at that time right. um, and how some of those things could relate today from a leadership standpoint. I mean, some things change a lot and some things don't change. And mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, getting insight from him, I just, he was such an insightful leader and how he not only thought, but how he put things into words. Um, I would love to learn some things from him. Yep, absolutely. Two more questions here, football or basketball? Um, to 
gosh. You know, probably basketball. Um, and I'm a big football fan too, but um, I love basketball. You might you might get some flack from some of our listeners on that now. So, uh, and well, I've, yeah, I've played basketball with some of our listeners. And <laughs> let's let's leave that out of the discussion. Last question, and, and maybe uh, most importantly, Cyclones, Hawkeyes, or Huskers, Mark? Well, sorry, Jacina. Sorry, um, uh, Savage, but I'll have to go with the Huskers. Yeah. All right. There you go. Mark, thanks for your uh, willingness to answer some of those questions on the fly. So we'll, uh, we'll roll back into some more formal questions moving forward. This episode's podcast ponder question is... Mark, in your opinion, what are the most important attributes of a successful leader today? Um, you know, some of them are foundational, um, which I don't think have changed much over time. You know, I, I think, you know, value is driven and a certain level of humility is really important. <clears throat> excuse me, important, and, you know, you need to be forward-looking, et cetera. But I think, you know, if you think about today and going forward, um, I think some things have become even more important, maybe, and so things that come to my mind are, you know, things like adaptability. I think one of the big differences in the adaptability is, okay, there's always been some level of organizations needed to kind of adapt to how things are changing, but today you're... Um, how well attuned you are to um, how things are changing in your market and the needs of um, your customers and the markets you're trying to serve. Um, I think um, you need to be especially attuned to that because I, I think for there was a long time where businesses could get customers to conform to how they want to do business or, or what products they want to offer. Mm, it's you know we're clearly you know have moved into more of it's the it's the time of the consumer absolutely and um, you know if you're not willing to make adapt to that and understand that I think uh, that's a challenge and you know I think just understanding um, technology and the role it plays today is is different and that's going to be even bigger in the future and then maybe the last one uh, is a little bit different um, the ability to um, think multi-dimensionally a lot of the types of challenges or problems we try to solve in ELT, for example, you know, they're always in the gray. <laughs> um, if they were black and white, they probably wouldn't be sitting on our desk. So, you know, they're in the gray, so there are usually a lot of different aspects to them. So your ability to think about an issue from multiple different angles kind of at the same time, synthesize that, uh, that information and data and then try to you know, figure out, okay, what's gonna drive this decision? In other words, what philosophy, what approach, how does this fit with what you're trying to get done organizationally? You just gotta think about that from a lot of different angles. It's not, it's, I, don't, I think it's becoming less and less linear that you know, A plus B equals C. It's, well, A plus B, well, but you, know, you got the differential of you know, B, A, B. <laughs> B could have A, B, and C, and D to it, so you need to think about all those different angles at the same time. I really like that last response in terms of just being strategic and forward thinking. I mean, as our you know customers continue to evolve and the industry continues to to evolve, how do we you know try to be three steps ahead and anticipate those changes coming down the the pipe essentially? So yeah, and it's going to happen so much faster than it has historically. It just that's the reality. So. You know, I know for at times, you know, at times some of our teammates will be like, "Gosh, you know, why do we have to change again?" And um, really, we don't do that to try to pe make people's lives miserable. That's that's not the goal there. It's it's really about if we don't, we just never want to be in a position where we're, you know, trying to uh, fight the battle from behind. And and um, once you fall behind, it's really hard to get back on top again. And um, we've been on top for a long time and been really successful. And 
Let's keep it that way. You don't want to lose that. That's right. Right. Mark, next question I've got for you. Um, Maybe expand upon some uh, individual uh, goals that you've got and and how do you continue to uh, grow and develop uh, upon those goals that you've got for yourself personally and professionally? You know, I try to manage both of them. Um, Just like, you know, all of our teammates, we try to, you know, manage our plans and, you know, our goals and development. And, um, you know, I do the same. And, um, you know, there's certain things that um, my wife and I will sit down and talk about what we're trying to achieve and what are we trying to achieve for the kids and what do the kids want to achieve. So how do we, you know, how do we assure that some of our actions are in line with that? Um, For example, we're having a discussion right now about how do we engage the kids in community involvement and giving. So how can we start putting them in a point where they can make decisions around you know, if we're going to donate some dollars into the community, then, you know, where would you, where would you like those to go and why and what role would you like to play in them? So there's just an example on the personal side. You know, on the professional side, I'm like everybody else. You know, I, I get a performance review and I get feedback and, you know, those have got things that I can work on. And then um, I build development plans around the areas where I think I need to strengthen. And um, I've had a couple different executive coaches since I've been um, CEO, which is pretty typical. Um, Doug had them too. Um, so those are some of the things that, you know, I would say are pretty consistent with everybody else. So. Uh, next question I've got for you, Mark. Uh, what's one thing that makes you most proud? Um, Maybe answer that one pers- personally and one professionally, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, you know, for, for me, it's my wife and kids. I mean, and I know that sounds cliche, but and I'm, not not just, at all. <laughs> I'm not just saying it. But, um, you know, I'm just really proud of my family. You know, all the, the time we've been able to spend together. And, that, you know, I look back on... Uh, the pandemic, that's probably one of the things I appreciate the most is I got to spend time with my family that I probably would have never gotten to because I was traveling so much. And now after a while, I'm not sure they wanted to spend that much time with me, but um, (laughs) I sure enjoyed it for a while. And then, you know, professionally, clearly I'm just most proud of being part of an organization that's just had so many years of success. I mean, really, um, you know, the first few years I was, you know, part of the organization we were fairly stagnant, I would say. And then, you know, if you want to talk about the power of leadership, we had a leadership change in 1997 that just started changing, you know, culturally, you know, who we want to be and um, what kind of organization do we want to um, be day to day, only not only with each with ourselves, but how do we want to be perceived out in the market? And then um, our focus on being successful and, you know, winning in the market every day, I've just, so proud to have been part of, gosh, what's been now a, oh gosh, 22, 23 year run. It's just been incredible. I never thought I'd probably be part, I never thought I'd, you know, necessarily would be a part of an organization um, that would be that successful for so long and also be a place that not only you could experience that success professionally and, you know, we've, we've done a lot of really great things, but also a place where you could learn and grow and be a better person for 20 some years. Um, wow, I, I just don't have very many friends who can look back on their career and say, yeah, you know, I grew professionally, but I also grew as a, as a person and became better through that time. And oftentimes you hear the opposite of that, which is too bad. But, you know, when I say that to my friends, that they're pretty jealous of that. And I'm okay with that. I'll take it. Absolutely. <laughs> really and, blessed. And it just speaks volumes to just the culture that we've built here and continue to build here as we continue to evolve, build out teams, add this brand new uh, building, so on and so forth. So, no, absolutely. 
Um, Mark, what's one uh, advice that you have for any of our teammates that maybe strive to be in leadership one day, knowing that it may take a number of years uh, for that right opportunity to, to present itself? Yeah, you know, I'll probably circle back to one of your earlier questions, Alvin. It's, um, you know, first of all, really focus on doing your job really well every day. I know there's, you know, development programs start, you know, there's a lot of focus on, well, you know, preparing yourself for the next role and, you know, what can you do differently. And, and those are all important as you think about, you know, if you want to take that next step. But, you know, really there's a lot to be said for, you know, proving yourself in your role and um, making a difference to your team and your teammates. So start there. And then I really would go back to what I said earlier. And I usually, you know, when I speak to interns and stuff, really emphasize this too of, you know, really think about how do you start to build this kind of um, resume of experiences. And they, those can come in a lot of different ways, not necessarily it's, you know, this, this leadership role, this leadership role, but, you know, moving to new locations, for example, or new jobs or participating on these work groups or teams or whatever, just, you know, building that whole bank of perspective that, you know, if I look back on my career, it was that bank of perspectives that clearly put me in, you know, some, you know, some positions where I was able to take advantage of some opportunities, um, but also um, my ability to perform in any of those roles, which where I started this, it's where I started this conversation. Um, those experiences are just worth a lot, and I depend on them every day. That'd be a great place to start. Mark, we're uh, down to our final question, so uh -oh. you can you can almost take a, a <laughs> sigh of relief here. So uh, maybe on the flip side of that that previous question, we have a number of our teammates that honestly just don't aspire for functional leadership, and yep. that's okay. Uh -huh. uh, what advice do you have for those teammates that you know uh, maybe continue to lead within their roles? Well, you know, we offer the class leadership is everybody's business, and. Um, I always promote that in all the new employer orientations because I just think it's so true. ODL appreciates that. Yeah, I know they do. Because um, um, I, I think it's just really reflective of who we are, of while we have functional leadership positions, every role in this organization is important. Every role has a purpose and a mission that you can be a part of. We're all trying to achieve an overall greater mission and to try to tie out what you do every day to what we're trying to get done organizationally. Everyone has that opportunity every day. Functional leadership positions are great. They're not for everybody, and that's okay. There's a lot of fulfilling jobs and a lot of fulfilling ways you can make a difference every day here without being in a functional leadership role. Go get them. There's lots of opportunities. Mark, again, uh, I'd like to extend a, a big thank you for joining our conversation for this month's uh, Strengthen Your Roots podcast, as well as kicking off our leadership series. It's been a pleasure to learn more about your leadership journey, as well as uh, gain insight uh, that maybe our teammates are, are perhaps weighing the possibility of serving in leadership down the road. Uh, for our listeners, I hope today's podcast was valuable and insightful and left you with some tools added to your professional journey. For any questions, comments, feedback, or ideas for future podcasts, please email dollar sign roots. Don't forget to engage with us on Yammer uh, with our podcast ponder from today's episode uh, on a chance of earning some root swag. Stay tuned for next month's episode where we will continue the conversation around leadership as well as future events Roots will be hosting throughout 2021. Thanks everyone, have a great day. Thank you for joining us on Strengthen Your Roots. We hope you'll join us again on our next episode.